Thanks for tuning in to the Loser Kid Pinball Podcast. I am Josh Roop. With me, my co-captain, as always, Scott Larson. And Scott, it is episode 100. We finally made it here. I can't believe okay, it. This is, this is where we announce our retirement. Yep. And ride into the, uh, the podcasting sunset. That is true. And I was nervous when we posted last week, which I'll get to in a little bit, that a lot of people are like, this sounds almost like a, a going away message. And oh, I, yeah. I didn't uh, want those vibes. Yeah, yeah I, I'm totally kidding. We're uh, Josh and I are having way too much fun doing this. And um, we're <laughs> uh, I'll put it this way. We don't spend enough time on the podcast to get burned out on the podcast. Yes. So, and really, you're getting in real time just josh and scott talking about pinball like we do when we're driving somewhere well what's funny to me okay before we before we jump into this because once i jump into this i think we're just i'm just we're just gonna go for it but okay uh let's let's talk about zach and nicole many really quick oh, yeah not pinball no zach and nicole many uh if you're looking for that extra um thing for your arcade i'm actually so i am placing an order right now i'm actually gonna order um some of the um the insider connect kits so I, nice. I have one and I was I was originally intending on doing the hack where you where you plug it in and then just uh, do the, the home thing. But I just figured, you know what, it's just kind of fun to have everybody being able to scan it in. And that that really completes the game. I'm waiting for my the mod because I have like my Jurassic Park LE and my Infinity Quest um, Avengers. Uh, and I don't want to take out like one of those apron pieces. I actually want to put it in the cabinet door. So I'm going to do that. But anyway, if you're looking for anything, including uh, toppers, games, and if you want uh, something that like a like a big buck hunter, you, you want a video game? They got video games. Uh, if you want a, a golden tea, they got golden teas. Very true. And it sounds like there's going to be a party soon at their house with mm -hmm. the Pinball Industry Awards yep. being filmed at... Casa de Mene. Yeah. And so it is, it's going to be pretty epic on the 28th. That sounds like such a bad Mexican restaurant. <laughs> Casa de Mene. <laughs> oh, okay. Speaking of that, I got, someone gave me some chips the other day and I have no idea. It's from Juan Antonio. <laughs> so it's like a Mexican Italian mashup. So anyway, nice. But ba back to flipping out pinball. Seriously, they have, they have always been great. Greg, has been great with any customer service issues. So please reach out to Zach and Nicole Mini if you are looking to buy that game. I agree. And their customer service is amazing. It's good. Honestly, most of you out there listening, if you're looking for, we all want a good product, but we want a great company to back it. And Zach and Nicole give that. You know you want to use them. Just give them a call, text them, message them, whatever you want to do. It sounds like they sold out of the Bond 60th, so you might have to find something else. But we can go over – I want to go over the production schedule a little bit because I've noticed some trends in it. Okay. And uh, we'll get to that here in a little bit. But back to uh, – now all I've got stuck in my head is Casa de Mene. Uh -huh. Casa de Mene. <laughs> but let's talk about some of the news. I mean, it's episode 100, so I want to talk a little bit about the news, but I also want to talk about the reaction that we had on last Tuesday, which was the 10th. I accidentally <laughs> posted on the 10th. I can't even get my own day right. It was the 11th is the day that we originally came oh, out the first yeah. episode. Okay. But I'm like, no one's going to notice. Ah, uh, yeah. We had an amazing response. Uh, but yeah, I, let's, let's get some of these news notes out of the way because I think they're very interesting. Did you hear that Pinball Brothers and Pedretti, you know, the guys that did Funhouse Fun yep. 2.0, mm -hmm. they're combining together 
to form Euro Pinball Corps. I actually didn't know that. So they're going to work together because I guess Pinball Brothers has the place to manufacture. Pajetti's been making quality remake kits. So why not combine the two and make a super, super manufacturer? You, you know, it's hard. Uh, they're already as um, they're already a European manufacturer. Yep. And so it is a little difficult uh, to break into uh, the market, uh, the U.S. market, because you have the the import situation. Yeah. Um, it this makes sense. It makes I sense agree. to be able to create more of a a unified front so they can mesh both of their things. And it really okay. I was kind of wondering where the Pinball Brothers were going, like what their yeah. future was, yep. and so merging with kind of an old and a new it does take them in a new direction and opens up more opportunities yes and i think that this will i don't know i agree with everything you said i I don't know if there's much more to say other than that i i I think it's a good move Mm -hmm. so uh spooky pinball has been quite on fire these last couple weeks we had the interview with bug i think Mm -hmm. it went fantastic i thought it was very uh on point i thought there was questions that need to be asked and they were and you know bug has to be the most professional person we've had on the podcast he was just very business-like certainly i he is he has become the face of spooky yes and so certainly from someone who is driving the company uh bug definitely presented himself very well and very organized and so that was very nice so they've got Scott Eines to join the voice cast of Scooby-Doo. He's done the voice of Scooby-Doo and of Shaggy and of Scrappy, because I know you love Scrappy. Yeah. Uh, him, also, a- apparently he's done the voice of all the villains in Scooby-Doo. So I assume he's going to take that role considering the other cast members that are on, already on there. They have now started production on Scooby-Doo itself, and they plan on doubling the size of their facility. It sounds like Spooky's no longer be going to be boutique, in my opinion. If 1900, uh, their their facility can handle that right now, then they're doubling the size. Are they going to be attempting for three, four thousand after this? I mean, that's. I guess there's growth to that, right? Yeah, it it does say that they're heading in a in an expansive direction. Yeah, uh, and we did talk to them about if they were considering moving closer to Chicago, and he said no. They really like where they are. Um, I I get the vibe that they like being a a smaller production and a little bit more of a boutique company. Yeah, so that that works well. And if they do have enough business to expand their expand their line, then good for them. Yeah, I I am. I'm a little concerned in that um, Halloween and Ultraman immediately sold out. Yes. Uh, Scooby-Doo is still available and that's not a bad thing. I, I, but I think it's showing that the market is softening a little bit Yeah, and people are not as gung ho about ordering games that they haven't played or maybe they're only ordering one game this year. And maybe that's a, you know, that's a, a Godzilla or a rush or something like that. Yeah. Um, but that, that's the only thing that makes me concerned. Like how much uh, investment money do they have to put up to move to a bigger facility? Because we know for Stern to move a few blocks away, it was like 5 million bucks. Yeah. It was not cheap. And the only reason they are moving is because 
Elk Grove said, hey, we want you to stay here in Yeah, the they town. gave him a sweet deal. It was like $2 million up front or something like that to help him move. Yeah, so so they, they certainly helped out. And by the way, I don't, I, I understand that there can be feelings about that, but from a business standpoint, it makes sense for Elk Grove to keep Stern there. Yep. Like, and, and if you don't think that businesses get special discounts, just ask like what discounts, um, what Amazon got to stay in Seattle oh, yeah. or, or Disneyland gets for their property taxes. Or, you know, yeah. Seattle ups their, their taxes on Amazon and then was like, all right, we'll cut you a deal now. So it was, yeah, <laughs> it okay. was like three steps forward, one step back for them. <laughs> That's okay. Jeff Bezos can afford it. But yeah, yeah so th- that's a, that's a good thing. I'm cautiously optimistic because I hope that they're able to maintain the business to, um, I, I guess, to sell, uh, to, to justify it. That's what I mean, to justify the bigger facility. Congrats, Spooky. It sounds like you guys are doing better than half the manufacturer out, out there. I'd even say maybe more than that. So. Yeah. <laughs> uh, in disc winners, if you don't want spoilers, skip ahead about five minutes. Yeah. No, we'll, we'll say that. Uh, if you did not watch in disc, it was amazing. I'd highly recommend going back and watching those finals. Um, did you get to watch any of this, Scott? You know, I didn't because I was running around. However, um, we we have a group chat with the Triple Drain guys, and we were going back and forth because we know Neil and Travis were there, and so it was uh, it was great. Uh, to get some updates from them because they were competing in the tournament. So I want to shout out to Ron Hallett Jr. He took second in classics, lost just to Andy Rosa, which Andy Rosa is amazing. He's a machine. Yeah, he is a machine. Uh, Classics one was Jason Zoller. Classics two, Keith Elwin. Uh, The main open itself, it came down to Keith Elwin, Esther Lefkoff, Jason, Jason Zoller, and our own, well, not our own, we're claiming him as our third host, Travis Murray. <laughs> <laughs> and it was amazing. It was insane. Uh, Travis has now become a meme on Pinball Degenerates. <laughs> if you've not seen it, go check it out. Yeah. But I don't think he accounted for the ball save on Bad Girls. Uh, and Because he was trying to soft plunge and it didn't give him the ball back, and then his ball was over. So he oh. he started off his first ball with a double zero. You know, he just wa- he just wanted to spot the other player. But he had an insanely good game against George Cayley K- on Flash Gordon, mm-hmm. and got him into the finals. Oh. And then Keith and Escher are just beasts. I mean, it was insane. It came down to the wire. Uh, Escher beat Elwin. On ball three in bonus. That's how close it was. Yeah. If I remember correctly, it was like 6,000 points. It was it was tight. between a. It was a 1.5 million game between the two of them. And it was like a 6,000 point difference. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Travis took third. Congrats, man. That is awesome. I know that his his dream was to to make it to a final and, and to rank in the top four. Yeah. Dude, uh, it's amazing. I, I I was playing I was playing Jurassic Park today, and I barely got to uh, three dinosaurs. So, yeah. and then congrats to uh, to Kaylee. He went on ball three against Keith Elwin on Alien Poker on high stakes. That was fifteen thousand dollars. Yeah, holy crap! So, uh, 
my understanding is, is Teolis was there interviewing people. He interviewed Keith and he said, you know, how do you, how does this all feel? And he says, now I know what Josh Sharp feels like. <laughs> <laughs> that has got to be the best line I've heard. Yeah, it's awesome. Uh, okay, to be fair, I would love to have that feeling to know I took second in a tournament. <laughs> yeah, only Keith Owen would be like, yeah, it's a notch down, right? Yeah, that's that's awesome. Oh, my goodness. So, okay, maybe Escher as well because, you know, it's Escher. Sure. But it was it was insanely good. If you want to watch it, go to IE Pinball. Uh, that is Carl D'Angelo's Twitch stream. Uh, just go on IE Pinball on Twitch. Amazing. And Pinball is alive and well. At one point, there was like 15.6 thousand viewers. Yeah, that's crazy. Uh, I'm sorry that that is that is not so uh, good for them. Yes, that's. I joked. I'm like, this is Amarith numbers, and they didn't. And Carl didn't have to get ha- half naked in a hot tub. <laughs> yeah. I, so, I I don't know what Amarith is or the hot tub reference. <laughs> so uh, she is a woman that is on Twitch that films herself in a bikini in a hot tub and just chats, and okay. she gets like fifteen thousand viewers on the on well, the average. okay. So I think our viewership would go down if we got in swimsuits. Maybe. I, I think so. I know mm-hmm. that Marty and, and Jeff did it on one of their podcasts. Maybe we can do it in podcast form like they podcast did. Podcast form, right. Yeah. And then also congratulations to Ashley Weaver, who won the women's comp of Indisc. That is amazing. Yeah, it's it's basically becoming the... Uh, is there really any competition that matches it right now? Not right now, no. Yeah, not right now. I, it's it's pretty. It's taken over the Super Bowl of uh, pinball, yep. and you you could argue TPF has a great tournament, but um, I I would say the Indesk. I, that's where that's where the elite go to play. Someone had pitched the idea that Rob Burke of Pinball Expo just opened up his own pinball place there in Ohio, and it's Don't got. Do that. 1300 machines if i remember correctly wow it's got an insane amount of machines and that should be the new quote-unquote pinberg location i'm not opposed to that i think it's a good idea hey more pinball is always good right yeah i doubt burke would be opposed to that either man so right properly get on top of it get it done <laughs> well who else i guess Bo and kerns used to do with uh pittsburgh or pinberg right I'm trying to think yeah, who else he put to. it on. Doug. That's been on the show. Yeah. Yeah, it was Doug. Yeah, Doug. Okay, I'm going to go on a random side tangent really quick. Okay. This weekend, I tried Ustalepa. Have you tried this? Did you just have a seizure? U- Ustalepa is a Finnish word. It's from Finland. Okay. It is a cheese that you fry up. It's got a high melting point, so it doesn't melt on you, mm. but it, it it just crisp on the outside, nice and gooey on the inside. We okay. had some here in Utah. I guess there's a place, there's an artisan cheese place in Midway slash Heber. You have to get yourself some Ustalepa. Anyone out there listening? I'm so it it changed my life. If you like cheese, it changed your life. Yeah, dude. Ustalepa is where it's at. Like the, the only time it changes your life is if you have a heart attack after eating all that saturated. <laughs> Actually, I don't know. Is cheese is cheese saturated? I don't know. I'm just a doctor. I don't know. I don't know. Just just. <laughs> 
<laughs> isn't that your expertise? Like you ask the doctor while you're doing the anesthesia when he's doing heart surgery. Like, uh, I'm not a cheese connoisseur. Yeah. No, oh, okay. I'm, the only thing I I am a cheese snob, and I hate American cheese. Okay. Like, well, it's time. It's it. time to get some. This is finished okay. cheese, so get some level up. Okay. Uh, it, it's just the way it sounds, but it starts with a J. Apparently, the J is silent, so just Ustolepa. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. Good it know. was that good, man. Hey. We finished it. We finished it, and then my my family's like, I, I, my mother in law was over, my father in law was over. They ate it. They're like, "Where did you get this, and where can we get more?" And I was like, "Well, yeah. it's two and a half hours west of us." Yeah. <laughs> so we're like googling it and trying to see how much it be cost to like ship it to us and stuff. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's it, it's definitely worth it if you're in a bigger city. Totally worth it. So. Okay, did you also hear that the um, the 007 topper is not really exclusive compared to the uh, or for Bond 60 like it was advertised? That's what I'm did hearing. You hear Do you I mean that's why it was included uh, with the Bond? Wow, I I don't know. It's I I actually I feel a little bad because I'm sure that they were thinking, "Oh, this will be this will be a defining feature." And then they're like, well, we already have this. We could sell it as an aftermarket accessory for uh, other people who have the game. And so why double do it? Uh, So it it seemed a little awkward that they had to walk that back. That's typically kind of a damage control on on a business when they announce something and then they're like, oh, well, that's not really what we meant. But to anyone else, if you said exclusive topper, then that means exclusive. But, but they never said exclusive to Bond 60th. They just said it includes topper. No, no, that wasn't the feature. Oh, it was that it was an exclusive yeah, it topper. Was. Exclusive topper. Uh-oh. And they said, well, it's exclusive because this is the only model that is included with. It's exclusive to Stern. So it's, uh, well, it's no one else can sell it. To- <laughs> It's, uh, yeah, I don't know. It it just seemed a little bit like uh, like gymnastics. They're trying to trying to thread that needle, but either way, I feel like there's so many questions that have arised from this Bond 60th. If you guys want to send us some questions for Elwin, yeah, because we're gonna have Elwin on here soon. The good news is we don't know anything more than you guys. We've seen we've seen the releases, we've seen that, and so we have the questions too. Also, we're not going to be asking the questions to Elwin that are like you blatantly know he's not going to answer, right? <laughs> like, did the licensor suck to work with? Yes, Elwin's going to come on here and and say, uh, you know, they were just absolutely terrible. He's not going to say that, so we're not we're not asking that kind of question. <laughs> yeah. No, no, no. But I, I did find it funny. I was like, hmm, okay. Yeah. No, I agree. Uh, this whole Bond six, I still wonder if Stern's kind of like, yeah, we're we're done. Like, it certainly, from a PR standpoint, it did everything about this license has not gone the way that Stern would have liked. Yes, and 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 that's that's pretty obvious for everybody who is familiar with Stern over the last ten years. Here's the other thing, too. I got talking with Jason McDonald. He listens to the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, and he asked me, what's your thoughts on Bond Pro and Premium? And we got talking about the tentative schedule, right? And it almost sounds like this might be a Stranger Things happening again, right? So they're doing the first run of Pros and Premiums. I know that they did like a small run before, 
but this is like the first official run right this month then april they're doing another run of pro and premiums and then june they'll do one more run of pros that's it for a new title that's not much and especially for premiums they're only doing two runs and i'm hoping that um who knows maybe they'll keep the license longer I actually did get, um, let me see, trying to find it. Okay. So I, ironically, uh, I got this from, from Tom Walsh, who lives out close to us, uh, a friend of Tony Murphy, and okay. he bought a premium. And okay. this is what, um, this is what he said is so I'm kind of in love with bond. I have, I have a premium, not bad, not too bad on 0.8 code and it can only get better. But I also love Deadpool. My friends who don't like Deadpool don't seem to like bond. And so that, that tells me that there is definitely potential for this. Yes. I I don't think that it's going to, I, I think it will turn out to be a solid game at the end. I I'm hoping that it stays in the cooker long enough to make it though. This is, this is my nervousness. Last premium comes out in April, right? First runs are, are, are called for. I think if you're sitting on the fence, you should go ahead and get a premium. If you're debating yeah, whether to I, get this game or not, yeah, because what's going to happen is the new game's going to come out in March. Uh, depending on how that does, you know, could, sway one way or the other and then we have another game in october if bond premium isn't put on the the line by the end of the year and stern goes back to three cornerstones that means an l1 cornerstone is coming out the first of 2024 and as soon as an l1 comes out and they're pumping those out there's no way they're going back to bond premiums Uh, that is my assumption you don't take it to the bank but kind of all signs are leading that way. It gets this Stranger Things treatment. I bet a year down the road, the code's going to be nice. People are going to start enjoying Bond and be like, well, crap, I should have bought this. And then who knows what happens with the license at that point. And what Stranger Things went to like $12,000, $13,000 a couple of years later because no one could get a hold of the premiums. Right. And Black Knight got had a little bit of that too. So I, I mean, Stern's a manufacturer. If they, if there's not demand, they're going to cut off things, but it's the same, you know, you see similar things that happened with, um, Pirates of the Caribbean through JJP. And I, I, I suspect that this is going to be one of those future premium titles that will command a high price. I think so too. So, so long as the code catches up, which brings me yeah. to my next point. Did you hear their, Going to rename it Elwin Pinball. It's no longer Stern Pinball. Have you looked at this tentative production schedule? It might yeah, as well be called I, Elwin ooh. Pinball at this point. Oh, yeah. Go, go ahead and give us the rundown. Okay. January, Bond Pro Premium and 60th. February, Godzilla Premium and Elvira Premium, which if you did not hear, the price went up on that. It's 10.5 now. For all those people wishing they would have got in when it was in the 7,000 range three years ago. Yeah. March, New Quarterstone. April Bond, just Pro Premium. May Iron Maiden and Pro and Premium. June Bond Pro, Godzilla Pro, Jurassic Park Premium. July Avengers Pro and Premium. August Star Wars Pro and Premium. 
September, new title, question mark. October, Jurassic Park Pro, and there's a space there, so that's probably the new title. November, Godzilla Pro and Premium. No, sorry, just Godzilla Premium that month with Mando Pro and Premium, and then December is Deadpool Pro and Premium. I saw you were keeping count there. How many months out of the year is Ellen That was like six something? months. Yeah, that, so that, that was like six, six months. months for uh, that. That was that is nuts. So I okay, he deserves it because he has so like he really is four for four for Cornerstone Games. Um, yep, I'm jury still out on Bond sixty, but that's also I'm willing to even admit that that's a boutique, uh, that's a special interest game. And not never was really intended for uh, mass sales, but I my gosh, he's still selling the Iron Maiden. Yes, I, I, that that is okay. It's certainly not the band that people are buying because I know some people that music drives them nuts. I like the music, but um, but that just shows the strength of the game that it completely took over what was, uh, I guess, a very polarizing license. Yep. Well, and and I've heard it recently. I know they kind of talked about it in Final Round. I've heard it from other people. They need to have Elwin just cranking out games. Why would you have him cranking out games when all four of his titles are still selling like crazy? Yeah. I mean, you want to draw this out and make the people want more. That's what well, people are obviously wanting more at this point. And I find it interesting that they've canceled mm-hmm. a bunch of games, right? The yeah. four designers that are at Stern right now are Borg, Danger, Petty, and Elwin. Yeah. Borg has one and, game and, and on the technically line. Everything Gomez, else has been canceled. Gomez jumps in occasionally. Correct. And and sometimes, I mean, I guess we can't. That, that's the business, right? I If you're still selling the Beatles' White Album, you're not going to cap it. True. But my point being is, is, is Borg has one game on the line. It's Mando. No, sorry, well, sorry. No, Eddie no. just has Mando. Eddie on. Has one granted, game. granted, he's only made two games for Stern. Stranger Things that was a challenging one, just because it was. It, sadly, I think it was cut short um, because the it, it's very similar layout to Attack from Mars, and uh, it took a while for everything to come through. Um, yeah. the, the lighting kit was afterwards. And that was the first time they offered something that was, I mean, that was a big impact piece, but there were people who felt strongly that that should have been included, which yeah, probably should have been. Um, but they were certainly hesitant to raise prices. So it seemed like that was the inflection point when they said, we want to put more features in the game, but we can't afford it under the current build of material. Yeah. So if you want to get a full feature game, you have to buy it after market to put it in. So, so I, I do feel bad for Stranger Things that it did not get the run it should have. So, so Eddie only has Mando. Borg, who's mm-hmm. been there since Data East, only has Rush on the line. Yeah. Or that well, they haven't it, canceled. It's not even on the line this next year. Well, I, I canceled, retired. Um, Danger and, uh, doesn't oh, have a game. They've already canceled Jurassic Park Home Pin. Yeah, which I find interesting. Um, because the the three home pins they have, at least the two, you know the two the the um, the Jurassic Park Home Edition and the and the uh, Star Wars Home Edition, 
they're actually very solid games. Yes, they are not going to have the depth of a cornerstone game in code and rules, but they are fun to flip. And so it yeah. does surprise me that they are not going to continue to, to make Jack's game because I, I was pleasantly surprised by it. Yeah. Same here. Cause I and it's because you're like, well, there's the Elwin game, which is the top 10 game. And then you have the home edition by a new designer. And yeah. to Jack's credit, he, he really produced a solid game. But my point being is you look at this, you look at this list this is one way that they're combating the recession is yeah. you're, you're cutting titles that aren't selling as well and you're, you're stuffing your lineup with greatest hits, right? Sure. And your greatest hits right now are Elwins. Seriously, out, outside of Elwin and new titles, mm -hmm. you have Elvira, which is Lyman Sheet's last game for Stern, and that makes sense because it's people love Elvira. I, I, I don't know how it's still selling at a higher price than everything else, but it's still selling. Mm -hmm. then Star Wars, because it's freaking Star Wars. Do mm -hmm. I have to have any other explanation outside of that? Yeah. Mando Pro and Deadpool. Mm -hmm. Well, Pro and Premium. I mean, you've got four different titles over the next year that aren't Elwin besides new titles, mm -hmm. which we don't know, but the rumors are Eddie and, and Danger. So, Yeah, but I mean, if you look at... <laughs> It makes sense, though, if you have the license for... So I'm just going to give you the quick rundown of the top 15 on Pinside, okay? So let, okay. let's just see how many of these pop up in the manufacturing schedule. Number one, Godzilla. Okay, done. Okay. Two, Medieval Madness. Okay, not stern. Three, Jurassic Park. Okay, same designer. Nice. Four, Attack okay, from Mars. Okay, seconds. Okay. Yeah, but CGC needs to run. They said they were doing Medieval Madness this month. And that they was a year yeah. and a half ago. Come on, guys. Oh, really? Yeah, Come man. on. I, okay, we're, we're pulling for you. Everybody loves your games. Please figure out a way to make them faster. Yes. Um, All right. You said four yeah, was Attack. Attack from Mars. Five is Deadpool. So okay. I, is, that, is that retired yet? No, it's on the line in December. Oh, it's oh okay, December. I didn't hear that part. Okay, so that's on the line. Monster Bash, not theirs. This is alternative, by the way. This is alternative, so right, it right, could of change. Course, of course. But Monster Bash, not theirs. Uh, not on the line. Iron Maiden, theirs on the line. Elvira, theirs on the line. Uh, Twilight Zone and Metallica roundup, and then you have Lord of the Rings, Cactus Canyon, Pirates of the Caribbean, Avengers, Infinity Quest, and Rush. So of that's the top, top 15. fifteen. Yeah, of the top 15, you have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven of them are stern. And still on the line, right? And still on the line. Those seven games yeah. are still on the line because obviously there's a reason why they're still they're selling. No, no one's yeah. selling their uh, their games right now because you can't you can't replace it. Maybe they should consider like may, they may maybe they should name one of the new wings of Stern after Elwin. That's just what I'm saying right now. Okay. <laughs> wow. Uh, yeah, actually, here here's the good part though is that, um, you know when a band comes out and creates a new sound that really uh, reinvigorates like the music scene. 
mean, so the, like the, Elvis or Beatles or Nirvana or yeah, well, the Nirvana is the biggest one that I that I personally experienced because yes. before Nirvana, it was kind of a tired hairband world. Yep, and that's when you get like the those those one hit wonders like the jackals of the world and yeah and yeah and just you know, I don't know winger um but when nirvana came out immediately everyone's like whoa what is this and immediately everybody who was trying to be a metal band immediately became a grunge band so yep. with elwin coming out and of the top 15 he has all four of his in there this this elevates the game or at least gives a higher target for the other designers. So I think this yeah, is the year that they can prove that they can, they can compete a high selling game in line with Elwin. Well, and this is what I keep hearing because we've, we've obviously seen bond 60th come out and it's an L one and there's only 500 made. Mm-hmm. And I think people are really freaking out about this because of the price point. What you have to understand I think this is a one-off product that was asked by the licensor to be done. And Elwin just threw his hat in the ring because that's what he said on Stern Insider Podcast. Mm -hmm. And they accepted his, you know, him wanting to design. I don't think this is a test the waters to see if they can raise the price on Elwin to see if they can raise the price on their pinball machines. Stern actively knows that that there is a recession. I think we all know that we've hit a recession. And... This is the way that they're combating it is they're using the old catalog of Elwin to get them through to the next year at the very least. Right. And then we'll see what happens at the beginning of next year. They're very smart. I don't think – I keep hearing these people say, you know, I can't believe they're raising prices again. Have you guys seen the shipping on pinball machines? I don't know how there's people still offering free shipping with their pinball machines. It's it's the it's supply and demand. I mean, th- that's the bottom line. It's supply and demand yeah. and – if the supply outpaced demand, then you would see price cuts. And, and that's, and, and we don't want to go back. We don't want to go back to the, um, the late aughts where it was the cheapified version of games. And you started with, uh, we, you started with the la- uh, with, you know, the first decade of this, the new century and you started with Lord of the Rings simpsons pinball party and you ended with big buck hunter yeah and and it it basically took and that was because they were stripping everything out of the games because they they were just barely trying to sell them so i don't want them to be desperate enough to do that because i like a full featured game all i'm saying is i i don't think the trend is going to change for stern going forward i think that they are in a safe position um, we are going to see some changes over the next year, though. And it just depends where prices fall with supply and demand and also external factors. We're all filling it right now. It's not just Stern. Um, yeah. All right. I want to thank the fans that have listened for the last four years. We are now at episode 100, like we've said. Mm-hmm. And I posted last week. I just want to read some of these remarks to you because... Uh, it was very heartwarming to hear from some people. I I often just think of we're two dudes that just do a podcast, right? And that's really all it is. We 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 we've talked about this, and it, you know, we we talked pinball for years, and so it's like, well, why don't we just start recording this? You know, I didn't realize how much I guess we we meant to the hobby. I mean, Joe from Pinball Degenerates 
said, thanks for creating such a quality broadcast. 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 Thanks for- I, I love that you <laughs> threw that in. Broadcast. <laughs> thanks for creating such a quality podcast and keep up the fantastic charity work you guys do. Always a pleasure to meet up with you both, Scott and Josh. The pinball community is a much better place with you guys being a positive part of it. Keep it going. Uh, Julianne, wow. which is your coworker, which somehow you have mm-hmm. sucked her into this. Happy anniversary and congrats. Y'all are the best. All the hard work y'all invest is very much appreciated. Keep on keeping on. I want to give him a shout out, but I don't know if he wants me to. He gave, sent me a personal message, and I don't know if it's because he didn't want to put his comment on the Facebook post or, or if it's just he wanted to send something a little more personal. Um, so I'm going to keep him anonymous. Okay. Anywho, he writes, I wanted to congratulate you on your loser kid anniversary. Keep up the good work. Pinball needs you too. Which I replied, thank you for the congratulations. I think you've overvalued our worth to pinball, but I appreciate your kind words, right? I don't Mm -hmm. feel like we are moving the needle one way or the other when it comes to pinball. It's, it's, but I think we are a force for a positive influence on pinball. Correct. And that's what he responded. Yeah. He responded, there are very few non toxic, generally positive voices in this hobby. You guys are essential. And I guess I've never looked at it that way. Because uh, we do tend to look on the more positive side of things. I uh, yeah, and and I, I will say that I it's more fun to be in a in a hobby that has less toxic lot less toxicity because every hobby, every weird hobby, strange hobby, small hobby, they all have it in some measure. And if there's anything we can do to undermine that and to focus on the positive stuff it's i i i, I was okay so uh, in the hospital i was dealing with someone who uh, broke his leg um he was snowboarding but he hit a okay. tree and okay i i i had a, a quick talk with him like hey do you know how to ski in trees he's like yeah don't hit the trees i'm like okay no like you focus yeah yes but you focus on the gaps between the trees and your mind gravitates toward that. And so if you don't want to hit trees, you focus on the gaps. And I I would argue the same thing. If you don't want to see the negativity in a hobby or at least dwell on it, and you can be aware it's there, but don't focus on that aspect. Focus on other aspects that are, that actually make you want to do the, um, do the hobby more to buy more, to be more involved. And, uh, I'm glad that that comes across cause that definitely has been something we've tried to do. Yes. When I first got in the hobby nine years ago, Oh, it's been a while now. Uh, it was the exact same complaints as what we're having now. Oh yeah. It's, it never it changes. It was priced. It was priced. Mm-hmm. And don't get me wrong. I'm feeling the hurt on the price. I'm I yeah. I'm right there with you guys. But yeah. I mean, people were complaining at two thousand dollar fishtails and yeah. you know twenty one hundred dollar shadows, and it just if we if we could, we'd all have the collection of our dreams, right? If yeah. if price wasn't a problem and and space wasn't a problem, we'd we'd own them all. I think that's the thing, though, is you've got to find. You know, find happiness in in the part of the pinball that you want. Focus on the gaps, like you said, Scott. Right, and sadly, if pinball's making you sad, find something else. Yeah, <laughs> I, it, I I I hate to say that, but if if that's not bringing you know 
bringing you joy as a, as the decluttering person says, then find something that does. But I will argue that there are aspects of the hobby, even with all its warts that are fun and inclusive and available for all. And I feel like this is the first year that I've felt content in pinball as well. I've always been nervous of like, what do you, what do you mean uh, by that? I, I, FOMO, right? Like, Okay. I've always, I've always got to get the next pinball machine. I've always, I'm missing out on this. I've, I'm not doing that. And I just, yeah, it stinks that like, it feels like there's no, I'm, I'm not excited for Venom just based off of the theme. Right. And, and Foo yeah. Fighters is enjoyable. I like their music, but it's not like it's once again, I'm going to okay. have to see it. In fairness, I was not excited for Deadpool. Yes. I, I wasn't because I, I thought it was going to be um, I thought it was going to be the the Ryan, Ryan Reynolds version, which is hilarious, but it w- wouldn't fit in my home. So I, I I was really glad that they went the direction they did, and it's still hilarious. So these things can change. I was not excited for Godzilla. You knew that. I yeah. was like Godzilla as a theme. Are you kidding me? I'm, I'm not going to buy this. And then after I said, I'm like, oh, okay, put me down for a premium. <laughs> yeah. And I, w- I wish I bought the LE that I thought I, I, I was this close to buying the LE. So right now, for the next year, I'm not planning on buying any pinball. Doesn't mean that'll change. Doesn't right. mean all you know, Venom will come out and be like, wow, Eddie just killed it, you know? Or, yeah. or Danger just slayed it with Foo Fighters. Uh, but right now, I'm content. For the next year, I'm like, you know what? That's fine. If, if that's what it takes, to then so be it. Where I used to be like, no, I need to know what the next game is. I need to know what's going on. No, I'm just I'm completely happy and content where I'm at right now in pinball, and I and it's very peaceful. <laughs> yeah, no, it's good. Namaste. Our friends Ron and Bruce over at Slam Tilt Podcast want to say, hey, one more year, and you guys can start making comments about pinball. <laughs> uh, love you, Dave. <laughs> Dave fix. <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> So there, there was plenty of comments. We, we thank all those that have reached out and, and that we've made friends with. It's been awesome. I'm glad that you feel, and I've said this before, podcasts are, there's always a third chair and the person listening yeah. is in that third chair. And yep. if we're doing it right, then I'm hoping we say something and they want to chime in to the conversation. And say, yep. well, I, I'm looking forward to this, or I like this. Okay, good. I, I that that tells me I'm doing something uh, that we are doing something right by allowing people to feel that they're part of the conversation. I do have one complaint, though. Actually, just it just hit me about me. No, okay. about okay. I was watching the ad for Twippies, and they showed everyone at Texas Pinball Festival last year that helped host and gave out awards, except for us. What the crap? Yeah. <laughs> what are we chop liver will? We just had you on the show like a month and a half ago, dude. No, it's okay. It's okay. We we don't want to steal the thunder. So, yeah, but exactly. Sadly, we actually can't make it this year. So, um, yeah, I, I feel bad about that. But uh, uh, Twippy's still up. Uh, please go and vote for your uh, your favorite um, everything in it. Um, actually, by time by time we post this, it, it'll be today's the last day. So okay, well then then uh, you know what? Sorry, uh, if you didn't order, then uh, or if you didn't rank us, then you're dead to me. So <laughs> forget that. If you're a judge for the Pinball Industry Awards and you are looking for the podcast uh, in excellence, look no further. 
Yeah, I, right? I already turned in my ballot on that one. So but I thought we were supposed to uh, like grease some hands. Aren't we supposed to know the judges so we can like, what is this like? You can't buy votes if I don't know who the judges are, right? Like this is the. <laughs> yeah, no, it's all. Uh, no, nah, I'm joking. But it's it's been an awesome four years. Thanks, everyone that's tuned in. Uh, we have an interview for you coming up. We're excited about this. Um, this gentleman, I feel like, is the voice of your Bally Williams 90s. Uh, as soon as we introduce him, you will know exactly who we're talking about. And it, it, we went kind of a different approach. We usually just do the interview, right? And mm-hmm. with this being the 100th episode, we wanted to kind of talk a little bit and then do the uh, do the interview without further ado. But right now, we have a gentleman that is, I would say, infamous and legendary in the pinball hobby. He has some of the most iconic games that he's worked on, like Twilight Zone, Medieval Madness, Attack from Mars, and even recently, Elvira's House of Horrors and Deadpool. You know him as Mr. Boom Shakalaka. This is Tim Kitzrow. How you doing, Tim? Welcome to NBA Jam Tournament Edition with Loser Kid. Kaboom! Hey, man. Hey, you said infamous. Do, am I infamous also? Is, yeah, so, man. What, what's the infamy, man? Did I do something? <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I just uh, I'm using I'm using catchy words, right? Yeah, I like that. <laughs> He's infamous for his role as Rod Serling in the Twilight Zone. Uh, you mentioned Medieval Madness. Oddly enough, I did not do that one. I think that actually Tina Fey is in that one too. Yes, she was, she did that. But uh, yeah, I, I started out at uh, Williams all those years ago, and uh, uh, the uh, Twilight Zone was second or third up. I forget, but I know that my first game got me into this uh, whole industry was Gilligan's Island doing. The millionaire. Gilligan, maybe we could bribe Kona. Oh, lovey. And that was it. And the rest That's was history. Awesome. It's been fun to see that uh, game uh, at some of the shows this year. I just saw it down in Houston and a couple other places. It's it's one of the harder to find uh, games. People that find it love it. It's a good game. I got to ask, though. So I, I was looking kind of up your resume, and it said that you were classically trained in acting first. How did you go from classically trained acting to video games with Bally Williams and, well, I guess Bally Williams, WMS? You know, the ride was not one I certainly planned. And uh, my original plan out of high school was to get a great uh, uh, theater training at uh, Purchase College. And uh, that's in uh, Westchester County, New York. It was the only fine arts college in the uh, state university system. So basically, you were getting a, a conservatory training like Juilliard or NYU, but for like $1,200 because it was a state school. But you had, you know, when I first was uh, sitting out there, I thought, oh, well, it's a state school. So I just apply and get in. But no, it was an audition with 600 people. They chose 30 and we did all the classics and it was, uh, you know, speech and voice and makeup and movement and circus and and performance. It was it was a great, great training. And then I, I came out to Chicago after a small time in LA doing some theater up in uh, Will Gear Theater in Topanga Canyon. And I, as, as many plays as I had done at that point, my favorite was always comedy. And I thought what's more fun than doing comedy is writing your own comedy. So I wanted to go to Second City to kind of create my own 
uh, comedy and just uh, get, have that whole experience. And SCTV was a big, big influence on me comedically. Uh, a lot of people go to Saturday Night Live, but I was in the SCTV camp. Uh, of course, John Candy, Flaherty, uh, Catherine O'Hare, Eugene Levy, like Rick Moranis, uh, just an unbelievable cast. And I, I don't think they ever got enough credit, but that was, in the end, was like, well, I'm I'm doing what they're doing. You know, I'm going to Second City. That's where I'm going to get my training. So I came out to Chicago. And then do what every other actor does, wait tables and go to these stupid auditions for a Bud Light commercial or some other stuff. And uh, and uh, I was in a little weekend band because I always played drums, never wanted to stop playing drums just because I was waiting tables and pursuing acting. And in that band was a gentleman who worked at the Williams uh, Pinball Company and his job as all the uh, musician musicians out there, their job is to do everything for basically producer. They put all the music in the games, they compose the music, they hire the talent, they write the script, they record it, they edit. It, it, today, there's like five guys who do those jobs yeah. generally, uh, well, especially in video games, not so much in pinball. Pinball still is uh, pretty much a you know small operation where one guy does a lot of jobs. But uh, he said, hey, you know, you're, you're a pretty clever guy. You're out of Second City. We need a voice for Gilligan's Island. And as I said, you know, I was able to pull that off. And then they said, hey, uh, we're looking for Rod Sterling, you, th- you think you could do that? And I was like, you're traveling through another dimension, a dimension not only of sight, a dimension of sound. You were about to embark on a journey, you know, blah, 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 blah. So it was yeah. enough. You know, they would put it in my uh, headset and play some back so I'd kind of get the tone, the intonation, whatever. It was, it was mimicking. You know, I wasn't, you know, I never thought of myself as an impression impressionist. Uh, but then there was Popeye. You know, I had to come up with... Uh, a Popeye, like, well, blow me down. Let's go see hack. <laughs> you know, enough to get by at least 30 years ago, I could do it. Let's baby go. Should have happened to Hitler. Um, so it was just like when I was a kid, I loved being goofy, loved doing funny voices. As I said, comedy was always my uh, my real passion, even with the you know more dramatic roles that I'd done with Shakespeare, Prince Henry, uh, Prince Hal, rather, and uh, Romeo, for instance, and some Chekhov plays. But it was always the comedy that I came back to. So this was a fun opportunity to be creative, have fun, make 50 bucks an hour and never thought of it as a career. And for a long, long time after, it was just extra money and fun. You know, it, yeah. it never paid much. And uh, generally back in those days, the guys in the studio, the different people around the studio, like uh, Steve Ritchie or Mark Ritchie, they would do the voices. They would only uh, get outside talent when one of their guys couldn't really do the role. Like Steve Ritchie's also known for people for Mortal Kombat. You know, he was like, finish him and Shao Kwan and uh, you know, that kind of stuff. Mark Ritchie actually did the first party monsters, Elvira, the role that I did, which is kind of like the Dra- Dracula vampire sidekick. You know, what time is it, Elvira? Time to get scared, Steve! When the <laughs> coffins are rocking, don't come a knocking. And right now I'm getting nailed on the coffin big time! <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, on my resume, I had put like Elvira, uh, 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 party monsters, Elvira scared stiff. And then I just did the recent one a couple of years ago, House of Horrors. And then I, I talked to uh, Greg Ferris. He goes, no, you weren't in the party monsters. I go, oh, really? I thought I was in all of them. He goes, no, that was Mark Ritchie. I go, oh, okay, whatever. <laughs> but it was fun to return, you know, almost 30 years later from doing that first Elvira Scared Stiff, maybe 25 years later. And this one, I did seven uh, roles in the new, uh, the new Elvira House of Horrors. I do all the floating deadhead ghosts. I do the 50s uh, uh, horror film trailer voice and, of course, the sidekick. And we won uh, a, a 
Twippy Award, which means the best voiceover call outs in a pinball game for that year. And we yeah. were supposed to uh, get them at the Houston the show and then COVID hit. So I never got to uh, get that in person. And I was supposed to be at Elvira. I still haven't met Cassandra. But what a great return after all those years and all the NBA Jam and sports things to go back to doing uh, video or uh, pinball game work with Stern and doing a, a great little cameo in Deadpool as well. Oh, yeah. So w- what did you do in Deadpool? Because I know that Norwin North did do Deadpool himself. But Oh, yeah. If you get to the uh, disco round. Uh, all right. It's time to put on your boogie shoes. We're going to party till dawn. Hey, guys, $20 at the door. And ladies, I drink for free. <laughs> get it? <laughs> hey, bartender, give me a Virgin Mary. Make it extra virgin. <laughs> that kind of stuff. So. <laughs> that is awesome. Love it. That's that's great. I assume that you you obviously have to train to to turn it on and off like that, right? Yeah, yeah. That's always been the way my brain's been wired. That's why I couldn't couldn't uh, you know go go to class without getting in trouble. I just I just couldn't keep the yapper shut. <laughs> Runs on many cylinders. So did you get to write some of? You said that you did comedy. Did you get to write some of the lines and stuff here uh, in these games that you did over in Valley Williams and whatnot? Yeah, I, I think. Basically, every game I ever did, I contributed lines to all the pinball games. We, you know, whatever they had for a script, you do. And then whatever pops into my head, there was always improvisation. Uh, the last one, uh, Deadpool, I wrote a lot of it myself. Uh, I did, I did, uh, yeah, I did a lot of that myself. And then the same thing with uh, the Elvira. Greg wrote a great script and then I just improvised off it. So it's always a collaboration. Yeah. Yeah. And then, and then, of course, for the video games, though, I started uh, writing in full with the first NFL Blitz. Uh, after NBA Jam, uh, they said, hey, you know, you're good with you know comedy and stuff, and this is going to be your character. So you have to express yourself, your persona, instead of us writing for you. Like, how do you express yourself? And that became that wise guy like, and that was totally unnecessary. <laughs> oh, but a whole lot of fun to watch. Let's see it again, Arnie. Uh, that was the, the, the NFL Blitz stuff. And, oh, he just ripped his head off. No, it was just his helmet. Darn it. Uh, and then uh, when we came back to revisit uh, NBA Jam with EA Sports, they just you know said, "Hey, this is yours. Go for it." And I probably wrote you know five hundred to a thousand lines, and that's where you start to get the crazier persona. Instead of just saying like you know for three from downtown, nothing but net. I go from downtown and like rummaging through my wife's top dresser drawer, he finds nothing but nylon. Boom shakalaka. Or instead of simply. <laughs> rejected for a block. I go, oh, I love it when you call me Big Blocker. The block doctor is in and we'll see you now. Have a seat, LeBron. So that's when it was basically full on like writing a uh, adult swim. That's the way I thought of it. It's like, you know, I've got this this uh, this world that I'm going to inhabit. I'm the main voice. So like Deadpool, like it's my, you know, snarky kind of, you know, announcer comedy voice. Sometimes it's announcer. Sometimes it's kind of a heckling fan. And it just became my, you know, my, uh, my signature style, which I also uh, have now crossed over into working with NBA teams where they will send me highlights and I will just, you know, put together uh, a voiceover for the highlights. And then they played on their jumbotron and social media. I worked with the uh, Golden State Warriors for two years during their uh, finals championships. And I would do a roundup of every series, a uh, playoff series, and then the finals. And, you know, what does stuffed curry have for breakfast? Snap, crackle, pop, nice crisp threes. Make them a part of your balanced NBA diet. Kaboom. What's for dinner? Curry surprise. It's fast, easy to make, and a real crowd pleaser. He's on fire. How do you like your curry? I like mine on fuego. That kind of stuff. That is amazing. 
Yeah. And James, James Harden, I got to go to a, a Houston Rockets game. They played my uh, uh, video highlights on the Jumbotron. I introduced the team lineup. And so we had like, you know, in the in the video, Harden's coming down the court doing the shake and bake. And uh, this is a limited time TV offer. It slices, it dices, it dunks in your face. Announcing the amazing Hardenizer. Beard sold separately. Call now and we'll throw in this free dagger at the buzzer. Boom shakalaka. So that's 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 the ultimate of like going from NBA Jam, this minimalist uh, game from 93, which really had basically just small, short one-liners, which were nothing more than a lift of the Marv Albert Game of the Week dialogue. Because yeah. John Hay, who was the composer of the music and the sound guy on that, he said, hey, we want it to sound like an NBA game. Marv is the voice of the NBA. I'm new at doing this, so here's what it is. You know, all those phrases are basically things you would have heard in a game of the week. But then, as I said, every game after and when I work with the NBA, now I get to go, okay, that may be where I started, you know, kind of doing this like Marv kind of feel. But now it's now it's my thing. I, I kind of think of it as a, you know, kind of a stand up persona. Listening to because NBA Jam is so iconic. I think everyone has knows Boom Shakalaka and whatnot. I did you think that it would ever go from just voicing a video game to having NBA teams call you up and say, "Hey, we want you to start doing this stuff for us." Well, no, and and, for, and interestingly enough, uh, it wasn't they who called me. It was me who called them. I st- I just got this idea in my head one day as I was thinking, well, nobody's waking up thinking, hey, I wonder how Tim Kittrow is doing. I wonder how that waiting tables at Smith & Walensky is going. I wonder if he feels like he's just a has-been. Boy, we should bring him in here and do some voiceover for our NBA team. I thought, no, these guys are probably all now 30 or 40, which means they were 5 or 10 or 15 when the jam came out. So I had this good you know, idea that, hey, they might be fans, and I got a lure in the lure box. So I call – you know, they get their number off the internet just for like, you know, uh, the games operation entertainment person. Of course, you get their voicemail and I could just leave a voicemail like you've reached Trey Smith from the Atlanta Hawks. He can't come to the phone right now because he's on fire. No, seriously, he was heating up some pizza in the toaster oven and a sleep caught fire, leaving your message at the buzzer and you won't be rejected. Hey, Trey, this is Tim, uh, Mr. Boom Shock Locker from NBA Jam. I was wondering if you guys might want to do a, a throwback night, 90s night uh, with some NBA Jam highlights. Call me back. And then they call back, go, dude, are you really the dude? <laughs> he goes, I was, I was playing this around the office and people thought someone was putting me on. So it was fun that I, you know, realized that I, you know, my secret uh, uh, power, my, you know, superhero secret power was boom shock lock in my voice. And I was able to, you know, get some people uh, on board that way. But no, when I, when I, you know, made this game, as I said, I'm thinking nothing more than I'm making 50 bucks an hour, which is really good money for anybody still in this day and age, 50 bucks for an hour of being silly. Is great money. As a businessman, it sucks. <laughs> it's not good pay. You know, granted, it was 30 years ago, but you know, over the years, I just I had to try to learn the business aspect of it more. So, uh, all these years later, working with a professional NBA team, doing highlights for Steph Curry. I mean, this is you know, this is that part of my legacy. You know, that'll be there forever. Yeah. Uh, that that and no, you know, I was forgotten for a long time. I mean, the arcade industry, pinball industry, both basically had a DOA. You know, you remember that period, right? Yep. And like no one thought they were coming back, and then they came back. And so there were a bunch of years in there where you know all the kids who played my game growing up were getting older, put you know, getting families of their own together, and there was no way I would have known that there was even you know uh, the fan appreciation that there is until I started to go to shows a few years ago where these game conventions have popped up now literally in almost every state and in and, and, and almost every city and meeting fans who go, wow, you're the voice of my childhood. I can't believe. Oh. It's like, 
I have no idea, had no idea that it had that kind of an impact. I knew the game itself was popular, knew it made $2 billion, a yeah. billion the first year in quarters, a billion in quarters. Wow. And when uh, Jurassic Park, that same year, selling tickets probably back then for about eight to 10 bucks, they made uh, $600 million worldwide, and we make $400 million more than Jurassic Park quarter by quarter. So I knew all that stuff. So it was kind of depressing. Like, I'm waiting tables again you know, early 2000s, you know, and going, oh, well, that was fun. That that whole thing's over. You know, now sports games are all uh, sim games. So they go to broadcasters. They go to ABC, ESPN broadcasters. I'm known for my style, which is arcade style. So I thought it was uh, done and over. And, and so to have this resurgence, and I did a remake of uh, Mutant Football League a few years ago. We're working on another version now. That's a remake of a 93 uh, classic uh, Mutant Football League. Um, and, and I've got all these opportunities, as I said, in different you know, fields with uh, ESPN. I've done some stuff for them. I did some highlights on SportsCenter. Uh, and working with the NBA teams, I've got a few new games to go. So it's almost like this, this second life, you know, 25, 30 years later is really unexpected. I assume that you enjoyed playing games and stuff like that too, while you're. Nope. 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 It, it was, you know, there's a weird, uh, uh, period of time, my generation, uh, growing up, going to college where there were, you know, only a handful of the games were out that you'd see space invaders, uh, and uh, Pac-Man, whatever. But those quarters were really hard to come by. And I had a, a job at school that paid about $15 for eight hours, you oh. know? And so to take those quarters and not spend them on beer and to, you know, if I sit down at Pac-Man and I, I burn through a couple of dollars like that, that's that's a few beers, especially on 25 cent beer night on Wednesday nights at the pub. Uh, so kind of early on, you know, and I was just so busy, you know, with, you know, acting completely involved with that and, and engaged with the, you know, the, 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 my fellow, you know, classmates and everything else. I, I just to walk off and start playing video games just wasn't part of who I am. I need to, you know, that's second city. It's like, I like to collaborate. I like to, you know, create stuff. So, you know, as an actor, I'm always with people. And so that idea of just being with a game in that world, it's just foreign to me. And uh, even when I went to, you know, to Midway and work on games, I'd come out to their their cafeteria. They had ever had every pinball game, every video game. And when NBA Jam was out there, I'm grabbing the joystick, hitting buttons like a little kid. It's like, ah, I can't figure it out. <laughs> I'm going to go sit. I'm, I'm going to go sit down and cruise and smash some, you know, stingrays on cruising. You know, it was easy. Yeah. You've got quite the uh, resume here when it comes to these games. Uh, these have been considered some of the best games of all time. Like I said, Attack from Mars. Are you the alien in Attack from Mars or what do you do in there? I know that I'm the military guy. Like, we're going to build a blaster. Let's blast him. You know, that okay. guy. And I, I don't, I think the alien is Vince Pontarelli, who was one of the great sound guys, who's a great mimic. But uh, yeah, it was just generally like, the, besides a general like, uh, oh, return to battle, soldier, if you get a gutter ball <laughs> yeah. on, the, on the first poll. I, and I had only played that for the first time in probably 20 something years at one of the recent shows. So I go, oh yeah, that's me. That's me. <laughs> a lot of them are, are multiple voices. Of course, the you know, the obvious ones, I'm the lead, you know, the Twilight Zone and uh, and Shadow is a smaller voice. I'm the, I'm the voice of the Shadow. Okay. Who knows what evil lurks in the hearts of man? <laughs> the Shadow knows. Uh, and Red and Ted, one of my favorites, the, uh, the roadshow adventure where I play Red. Well, honey, I got my paycheck. Let's go wreck some road. Uh-oh, here comes that pastrami sandwich again. Oh, I knew I shouldn't have that. That's the multi-ball. <laughs> he That's wakes up awesome. at night and he gets the burp going and then the ball starts shooting out. 
Uh, what are some of the others? Well, of course, said, oh, who done it? Which is a great one because it's, you know, I'm I'm uh, Nick Spade, the uh, private eye. Like, suddenly, I was back on the case. I took the elevator to the penthouse. Hmm, I wonder what's down there. That kind of stuff, you know. So yeah. that, that was a great one. And that's one you rarely see, but it's one of my favorites. And then uh, I assume you reprised your role for Revenge for Mars. Yeah. And once again, I various in military and et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Yeah. You didn't do the Bill Clinton? <laughs> Well, you know what? I got I got something to confess here. I don't do a very good Bill Clinton. It starts to turn into Barney Five in a hurry, Andy. <laughs> one of my favorite games, which was one of my first games, was World Cup Soccer, and uh, mm. those that has got some amazing Somebody lines. Make that save, Gola! That kind of stuff. Saw that the last couple of games, and everybody goes, "Man, that's a great game." that and when when you're not making shots and all of a sudden it just pops up and says it looks like you can't control the ball <laughs> you know <laughs> that's good it hits too close to home <laughs> who who are you in judge dread judge dread judge dread judge jury and executioner that's me i'm judge nice. dread nice where are you into sports too? Cause it seems like this was like a happy accident is what I'm oh, yeah. getting from all yeah. this. Yeah. I mean, I'm not as hardcore as some people and people always say, Hey, you should do, you know, live play by play or work with the team. Or wouldn't you like to do that? You have such a good voice. I, no, that's, that's the, you know, that's going back to math class. That's just work, you know, yeah. like studying every single name, every team, all the nuance to be able to speak to speak. I want to be the class clown who sits in back of the history class and make fun of all the stuff, you know? And so if I, I'm doing a basketball game, I, you know, you got a chucker who, who misses a lot. So he, he's, you know, Chuck's went up from three, like dear rim, I miss you. Love Chuck. You know, that's, yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> if I can't have fun with it, I, I could never get into, I have so much respect for those guys because you have to live and breathe and sleep and know everything and every pronunciation of every player's names and be on the road. It's just so much work, but yeah, I'm a, I'm a big uh, enthusiast as far as, uh, you know, my, my football and baseball teams and everything else. But, you know, dur during the Bulls era, I was really deep down, probably would watch every single game taped a lot of them on VHS. Uh, but, uh, but now years later, I'm, I'm more of a, I'm, I'm a fan of the league as opposed to the Bulls necessarily. And I try to stay up and certainly watch the highlights. Well, and the Bulls were amazing that time during that time. Oh that God. was definitely, yeah. It was just a gift you know, for me to be in Chicago, be doing that, to see the game come out in Chicago, all the arcades packed with people playing it. Just fantastic. Man, you were living the perfect Chicago life, sitting watching Michael Jordan eat yeah. the Chicago dog. And yeah, man. I went to his uh, his restaurant a lot of times to watch the uh, the playoffs in the finals. He had a great place, Michael Jordan's, with the first giant screen. It was probably, you know, 25 feet by, you know, 10 feet, but it was made up back then, the early 90s of like multiple kind of like plasma tiles, like for a scoreboard, you yeah. know, it wasn't one big screen, but it was cool. It was like the biggest, most modern piece of technology in the world to watch the bulls in a fully packed Michael Jordan bar in downtown Chicago. I was living the life. What brought you back? Cause you took kind of a break after revenge for Mars. You did NBA with Stern. And then it mm -hmm. looks like you didn't come back till about a decade later to do Deadpool and Elvira. What brought you back? Yeah, I mean, as I said, the, the industry itself basically died in our, and, you know, luckily all the, those great guys that, uh, you know, the, the industry is so small that, you know, everybody knows everybody, you know, Jersey Jack and every company and Gottlieb. So, you know, the guys that I'd worked with out there, of course, of course Greg Ferris, especially, um, you know, they, they were in uh, Gomez, George Gomez, one of the greats and uh, Lyman Sheets, you know, fans of mine and casual friends, it was more of, 
you know, it was so many years ago, but they, they knew exactly like what they wanted. And thank goodness they reached out to me. And, and, uh, when I did the NBA fast break or NBA pinball with Stern somewhere about 10 years ago, I remember they, they were like a still kind of like on the edge. And, and I remember, uh, 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 Gary Stern saying, Hey, we're just a mom and pop outfit out here trying to survive. We can't afford the big bucks to pay you. I was like, Hey man, I, I used to get 50 bucks an hour or anything better than that. <laughs> you know, I'll take it. Uh, but yeah, I, they brought me back in for that. And then of course, as they, you know, the, the Elvira thing was a no brainer since I'd done the other one. And then they just took a shot with me with the, uh, the vampire for Deadpool. So it was really just a result of the industry coming back, you know, and, you know, I, as I said, I was, I was just toiling away back in the restaurant business again, because, uh, you know, this is a very niche industry. And, uh, if I didn't have pinball and I didn't have sports titles, like, what am I going to do? Uh, yeah. I'm not going to get calls from LA to do random voices and games. It's all going to be based on my Mr. Boom Shock Locker persona, which is why then like, uh, uh, I forget the name of the company that does Rage and Rage 2. They called me to do a, a cameo, a, a voice pack for Rage 2 on Fire Edition. And you can find that on all the uh, on YouTube if you if you don't have the game itself, but it's really fun. It's a you know first person shooter, and I'm just doing like crazy over the top stuff, you know. With that, uh, see ya. Wouldn't want to be. Oh, that's gonna sting. Pow, pow, puppy chow. Kaboom! He's on fire. No, literally. Call out the. You know, yeah. it was just it was fun. It was great to to do uh, you know uh, to reprise the Mr. Boomshock Locker role, but out of context in a comedic way against a violent backdrop. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I've always been waiting by the phone. And as I said, now with the game conventions around the country, that's got me out, uh, I think, 12 times this year, meeting fans, doing panels, hosting, interviewing, doing tournaments for people. Uh, it's it's just been a great, uh, as I said, a great uh, renaissance for the industry and for myself to connect with people like all the Mortal Kombat crew from the actors, you know, Dan Piscina, Richard Divizio, Anthony Marquez, uh, Carlos Piscina. I never met them. They're probably in the studio in 92 because our games came out 10 months apart, Mortal Kombat and Jam. And they're working in the motion capture studio. And I would come in from time to time to, to the you know sound booth. We never met. So uh, four years ago before COVID, doing a show out in Hartford, one of my first ones, uh, my friend Sal DeVita, co-creator of Jam and Blitz and in Mortal Kombat, he goes, hey, Tim, you know these guys, right? And I go, nope, never met him. Don't know who they are. And he was like, no, he plays. Yeah, he's a Sub-Zero Scorpion. Don't know what you're talking about. Uh, Scorpion, Sub-Zero, Johnny Cage. Nope. <laughs> and and by the end of the night, we got along like old college frat buddies. And we've been going to shows ever since. And, and we might as well be brothers. And uh, Paul Nehemiah, too, the great artist from Mortal Kombat and tons of other games. And uh, the, so we've got this little like rat pack on the road. <laughs> That's and awesome. uh, yeah, this fun idea of like 30 years later, we never met out there. But now we've got what we call our like, murder, uh, murderers row, the monsters in the midway. When we go to conventions, we're all together and having fun. And so if you, if you ever see uh, that I'm come to town, any of your listeners come out, you'll, you'll definitely have fun with us. Sounds like it. I, you know, and the big thing right now at those conventions and whatnot are the where the voice actors get together and they play out a scene with their voices. Uh, yeah. We, we should pitch that idea to one of these pinball conventions because I think that would go over oh, amazing. That would be a lot of fun and, and grabs, you know, a random different voice actors together and, and throw scripts. And I'd love to hear other people doing reads of, you know, famous things that we know or some of my stuff for me do someone else's stuff. And yeah. we, did, we did that at the Florida Free Play 
uh, Ryan McKay did uh, uh, did a great job in Brandon Speck of like putting together some uh, fun bits of uh, uh, different famous uh, movie scenes and had us read characters. He had really weird commercials for us to read, just playing around you know, for your voiceover. And Warren Davis, the creator of Cubert, is also a, a very good actor and improviser. So he's he's provided a lot of fun at these shows, too. What's what's the favorite? What's your most favorite role that you've done so far in this? MLB Slugfest, and that's uh, the the baseball commentator for the you know the this MLB Slugfest is the the sports series. You know, after Blitz, we went to do baseball, and then we did hockey, NHL hits. But baseball because the pace of the game is slower, and since I'm writing the script, I got to write full on in between pitches, in between any like crazy conversational com- comedic dialogues. I said that is, is as close as. I'll ever get to like, you know, writing a Simpsons episode or being, and it's the world that I created. And with the guy that I brought in, an iconic comedian uh, from Chicago, uh, um, uh, whose character is Jimmy Shorts. Uh, It's just a a, a great, great uh, time. And uh, we do 70 different improvised comedic scenes when the game is loading. So instead of just seeing the loading screen, it's us having a you know blast up in the booth together. So check that yeah. out if you haven't. And you can get tons of clips on uh, on YouTube uh, for MLB Slugfest. Also check that out. What Was there any role that you took on that you're like, oh crap, <laughs> this is a little, little out of my hands? <laughs> no, I mean, fortunately, I, I guess I said with the pinball, we, we went over most of the roles. It was just, I, I knew right away, like either I could do it or couldn't. And you know, even the ones that I had to, to work a little bit harder at, obviously, when you're trying to take on the the mantle of like the Rod Serling and it had to be approved by his estate, whatever. I didn't kind of realize that the, gra- the gravitas of like taking that role on. And I also didn't know that they had searched far and wide for a sound alike. And then they came back to me instead of asking me first, it was like, oh, this is, I don't know if he could do that. <laughs> it was weird. It's like, why didn't you just ask me in the beginning? But uh <laughs> Uh, yeah, that, that was the only one. And as I said, it's uh, to live up to that, but all the rest of the stuff, Hey, you, you know, my wheelhouse is uh, sports uh, stuff, bread and butter, comedic, crazy stuff like the, you know, Elvira, there, there hasn't been anything that's come across my plate where I go, I, I don't want to do that, but I get that stuff a lot when I do my auditions for weird stuff for the internet or TV commercials where I look at stuff like, I'm not going to do that. It's crap. Oh, yeah. Well, and the voices of Scared Stiff are some of the most iconic people quote those in the pinball hobby. They're just I did they're wonderful. Huh. So did so you did Dracula and did you say you did the, the the heads as well? In the new one, I do all the talking heads like, hey, take another shot at me like that and I'll drop you like a rock lobster, pal. And uh <laughs> and as I said, the movie trailer guy, there were so many different voices for that, like tonight announcing, you know. I forget what it was. It's like 50 sci-fi, you know, once I do these things, I just forget all about them. And I, and I don't play the games very often, if ever the pinball games too. Cause I'm, when I go to the shows, I'm just busy, you know, with fans and everything else. So like when the new Elvira showed up, I never got a real good listen, never got to the Deadpool round of like the vampire. So I don't know how that even sounds, but I've heard a lot of people say they have enjoyed it. it. It's, it is wonderful. And, and really, honestly, I, I think you've hit the nail on the head that you, are the voice of most of our childhoods. Like I remember when NBA jam came out when I, I want to say I was around 10 and just, I, I think we were talking about this, uh, cause we were, we were hyping you up. We were excited to have you on the podcast and it's like that. I think you have a very iconic voice and people just associate you with that product, right? They don't necessarily think it's Tim Kitzrow. It's, it's Dracula from scared stiff or Rod Serling from the twilight zone. And so 
it's amazing to have you on and have you talk about these games because I think that part of that's kind of lost to history, especially like you're saying, pinball went by the wayside. Yeah. yeah. You know, early two thousands. I think arcades were yeah. were dying off and and home arcades were or, you know, mm-hmm. not home arcades, but home consoles but, were yeah, handheld and now now handheld. You know, yeah. it's taken over even the, the console more for the youngest generation. They're yeah. It's funny. I'll go to like the pinball show uh, northwest in Portland. I've got this great shot of a dad playing pinball. And a kid must be like three years old in the stroller on the iPhone playing a game. And I'm like, there's the new generation right there. But I tell you yeah. that the pinball uh, fans are the best. They are so hardcore, so knowledgeable, so passionate. And I love getting the chance to meet them at shows, especially like the Chicago pinball show, the Portland show, like Houston, you know, more pinball centric uh, because they just it's it's such a you know really a, a great small world. There's really only a handful of really great iconic games of the last 20 years. And that golden era was when I got in. That was the second wave of like the best, like Pat Lawler. And before things got some of the new stuff to me is a little bit too overdone. That's just my opinion. Uh, But that era of like the great, you know, Gottlieb, Bally, Williams, uh, pinball games, there's some of the greatest games and the fans know it. And and I love the fact that they're all over now in arcades all over the city in Chicago and and it, it's just, it's great. I feel very fortunate to be part of that community. Well, even have movies come out now, you know, Roger Sharp, you worked with Roger at WMS yeah, and whatnot. Yeah. And just saw him at the Chicago pinball show. Yeah. You know, and he, he had his own movie now. <laughs> yeah. It just won a couple of awards too. And yeah. I, and I'm in a, a documentary called insert coin and it's available on Amazon prime. And it's the, the telling of the story of the rise and fall of midway games uh, done by director, Josh Swee who uh, was an artist, a digital artist uh, out there, and was also a minor character in one of the uh, Mortal Kombat things. But of course, his connection, he knew everybody, and he was a filmmaker in college. He was able to round up everyone from the CEOs, you know, Eugene Jarvis, like Gomez, Petro, every one of the great people, and talk to him, how did this game get made? Great highlights back. uh, We've got the footage that people have never seen before of Mortal Kombat doing the motion capture, the original days, the blue screen uh, of the Paul basketball players doing the NBA jam moves. It's really fun. Of course, I'm in there telling some great stories. So that's, that's uh, been great to have that out and to have the, you know, folks that uh, grew up with those games, get a backstage look at how it all came together. And one little moment really was a moment of time. It was like this punk rock kind of, you know, garage factory out there at California Ave between Belmont and Addison and Chicago, right down the road from Wrigley Field. And some of the biggest hits ever made came out of there. And it's kind of like Motown, you know, hit after hit after hit. It was a literal factory assembly line for hit games for a while. Like I said, the list that you've been on, these are all hits. I I, I don't look at one of these and go, I mean, Party Zone. I, Party Zone's fantastic, <laughs> you know. Um, just so, these these games are insane. It's awesome. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so, who would who would have thunk it? Well, yeah, who would have? Is, is there anything else that you'd like me to to ask you? Or there's actually I'm doing one fun thing right now. It's a uh, it's a, an app, a uh, kind of a like a, a it's called Throwback, uh, Big Breakers, uh, uh, Big Money Brackets Throwback, and it's on uh, wherever you get your your apps. Uh, but it's a it's you can grab like any team from any league, you know, basketball, you know, football, uh, baseball. 
and just put random you know players together and it, it's, it's going to eventually you know maybe be a you know a gambling or slot machine but it's just a fun app if you want to have if you like sports and go back and throw back definitely <laughs> i've got a few other things uh, working i'm working on a fishing app believe it or not and the idea of like people say you know you should do a golf game you know to like blow the you know the thing hey he's on the fourth hole right now and just like blow it up so it's kind of the same things like there's a couple fishing apps out there that are very successful but there's no voice on them so i'm gonna you know throw my signature of spice on it and just turn into a party you know yeah and some entertainment while still being a good fun fishing app and uh so that, that's fun and i've got another uh uh uh, company that I'm working with to hopefully do four new sports titles uh, starting this year. So there's a lot, a lot of stuff on the horizon, irons in the fire. And, you know, I'll be out on the road uh, 10 to 20 times this year, different cities. So, so look for me where if I come to your town, stop by and say hello. I guess my last question is, don't tell us if you a specific project, but will we be seeing you again here in pinball soon? In pinball, there are no definites, uh, but I did do a, a, a side project. I, I guess I could say it. It's uh, Todd McCulloch is one of the great uh, uh, arcade enthusiasts in the on the planet. He was a former center for the Philadelphia 76ers. He lives out in Seattle. He lives out on one of those islands. You got to take a ferry to. And after he left the NBA, he was going to collect fancy cars like a lot of athletes do. And it was, he has this three car, uh, like custom garage, carriage house, guest house. And he got his first couple of cars, but he fell in love, as people do in the Northwest, especially with pinball. He always loved pinball, but he started collecting. He got rid of the cars. Now he has a basically a three-story, like, active, like, arcade and museum on the third floor. And he collects everything. And uh, he wanted to do his own custom pinball machine, and he wanted to do a Happy Gilmore theme. So nice. he met up with some other uh, great custom uh, pinball guy who took the, you know, the skeleton, uh, the, you know, it's a Frankenstein of an, and I forget which game they were using as the, the template, the board, but they constructed a whole happy Gilmore and I did the voice for it. And uh, that, that when it's done, cause he's friends with all the guys at Stern, he said it, they, you know, they may actually look at doing a, you know, a, a production of that as well, but it's a one-off, but that was just a great thing. Like a one-off for a great collector was fun to do. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, it's hard with Stern because, you know, you, you see the roles, like a lot of their titles now are big franchises as Deadpool was. So I have to fit into that category of the the supporting role. And of course, Elvira, because it's an original, there, there are no TV or movie voices to go, oh, we got to get the original. And I am the original yeah. for that. So there, there are fewer of the the one-off kind of original uh, game titles made anymore the way a lot of them like you know, what was the, 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 the fishing, the whitewater, they, I mean, so many of those titles back then, medieval magic, just such originals, they weren't based on TV or movie or, or music friend, you know, uh, musical bands. And of course that's a big thing for Stern right now, which is a great idea. You know, yeah. they're doing all the bands, Led Zeppelin, the Beatles and Rush and et cetera. So it's harder to find a place that, uh, that I've got to fit. We'll keep requesting you cause we love I your appreciate stuff. It. Appreciate <laughs> it. Man. Well, if you want someone to get a hold of you, how, how do we get a hold of you? Uh, my website is timkitsrow.com. If it's easier, you can say mrboomshakalaka.com. And you can see some of those videos that I, I mentioned with the Warriors and the Rockets, a uh, list, list of my games and how to get in touch with me. And I do custom uh, uh, voiceover jobs for podcasters, YouTubers, voicemails, or if you want to send me your random uh, videos from your phone, because no one's ever going to want to watch them as they are, barely watchable, unintelligible. But if you send them to me, I'll do a voiceover. 
and make turn them into some entertainment that you can have fun with. Or if you have a bachelor party or something you want to do, you do an invite. Uh, you can go to that site. It's called Who Said What Now? And it's at my website, timkitzer.com. And that, that would be you know, that's fun. The idea of like someone growing up with me and then being able to like send out a bachelor invite with a slideshow in my voice. And uh, I've actually been asked to do uh, uh, two weddings this year. I'll be doing one in October and one in December, MC and also officiating uh, the wedding. So uh, yeah, people can't get enough of the, the good old nostalgia and why not? It, it was a fun time and continues to be fun for new generations. I'm watching four, five, six, seven, eight-year-olds you know, pick up NBA Jam and a, an 11-year-old kid came in second in a tournament out of 37 people. And the first time he'd ever played it was that morning. <laughs> <laughs> the kids are too uh, smart God. nowadays. Honest to God, yeah, yeah. Well, it's been a pleasure talking with you. And uh, yeah, check out my website, uh, mrboomshakalaka.com. And of course, you can just YouTube YouTube things. Uh, go to look at some of the MLB Slugfest. Uh, you know, as I said, that's the stuff I'm most proud of. There's a compilation of things. It's called Tim and Jim Funny Comments MLB Slugfest on YouTube, where you can get all these uh, different, uh, you know, funny intros and, and wordplay and dialogue. So yeah, it's, it's always fun to go down that rabbit hole and see some of the highlights other people have put together. Sounds good. Yeah, well, man. We appreciate you coming on and uh, thank you for setting aside some time to be with us. Yeah, real pleasure to be here and, and uh, love being on your show and say a uh, special hey to all your friends out there. Uh, thanks for playing pinball and, and keeping the game world alive. If you want to get a hold of us, we are Loser Kid Pinball Podcast at gmail.com. If you want to get a hold of us on the socials at Facebook, Twitter, Twitch, and Instagram at Loser Kid Pinball, we are just wrapping up our 100th episode this is nuts you got anything else for us scott thanks for everybody who has spent even one episode with us it means a lot to us yes oh before we go though you better send some messages to scott because he's heading off to guatemala to do his his cleft palate and donating yep, his time yeah, heading, so, out, heading out saturday i'll be gone a week so he's going to guatemala and i'm going to puerto rico because it's 15 years uh that i've been married to my wife so we will not be here next week, and we will see you in two weeks, and hopefully we can line up the interview that we've been trying to line up since, what, September? Yeah, exactly. So, somewhere around there. Yeah. <laughs> so. This is where you play the outro. Oh, my, my. Oh, my, my. King. Oh, wait. That's a different That's a different episode. Or a different, that's a different show. <laughs> that's a different show. <laughs> what's, what's the Golden Girls theme? We should just place that here. Uh, oh, I was just thinking of Three's Company. Come on, knock on our door. No, but uh, Golden Girls was, thank you for being a friend. Yes. Yes. <laughs> All right. See you All in right, two we'll weeks. We'll see you guys in two weeks. Bye. <laughs>